0: Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harky Group, Scott Harkey.
1: All right, welcome to the Brand Podcast. As you know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the martyrs who built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harky Group, Scott Harky, and today we're gonna discuss Super Bowl Advertising 101. Joining us today is my producer, Benjamin Shabira. He's the CEO and executive producer at I Hear Everything, which is a podcast production growth and monetization firm for high-growth companies. As you know, Ben is the producer of the show. He produces a lot of other marketing podcast Uh, as part of his podcast network. And today, let's talk about what brand should buy Super Bowl ads. Here's my conversation with Benjamin Spiro, the CEO and the executive producer at I Hear Everything. What's up, dude? Scott, how are you? So good, man. Good to jump on with you. I know we're trying to do this once a month, so thanks for scheduling it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it.
0: It's the perfect time to kick off our Scott's Thoughts episodes because it's the end of the football season and now we're all going to have time because nobody has anything to do on Sunday anymore.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about this podcast. I've had three Taylor Swift Kelsey conversations already today, so I'm sure we're going to have to dive into that, but people are probably sick of hearing about it, but it it is sort of an interesting topic. I'm pretty about hearing about it, but it's freaking crazy how just star power can add so much ratings and people talking about stuff is really interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will go on the record of saying I am incredibly biased. Were you a Swifty? Is this where you announce your Swiftiness? No, the opposite. I, <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs of San Francisco, and I've been rooting for the 49ers my whole life. So I'm a Purdy fan, if you will, not a Swifty, whatever the opposite of Swifties are in this case. I don't have a problem with Taylor Swift, and I'll be much more of a fan in two weeks on Sunday. So, so Purdy's an Arizona boy. He went to high school in Arizona, and he should have
1: went to the Arizona State University, and we didn't recruit him. But I am definitely a Brock Purdy fan, so.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been fun to watch him and the team, and I think the storyline is something that will probably end up in Super Bowl commercials today. I guess for anybody that's not a, a football fan, he is Mr. Irrelevant, and that's what they call the person that was the last guy that's drafted in the NFL draft, and he's the first Mr. Irrelevant to play in the Super Bowl, more or less be the starting quarterback. It's crazy. There's NIL quarterbacks in college making more than Brock
1: Purdy is making in the NFL, and he's going to the Super Bowl, which is pretty amazing.
0: Well, there may be. So NIL is what the college kids get paid, name, image, and likeness. And Caleb Williams, I think it is, from USC made a couple million dollars through advertising. But Brock Purdy's salary is not his take home and he's done a bunch of advertising as well, and that's not reported publicly like NIL. So he's probably clearing more than what his salary is. All right. Fair enough. Anyway, so Super Bowl, Let's. we got a couple episodes that we're doing this week, and the idea here is for us to get together and talk about maybe even debate a little bit about brand marketing tactics and strategies and, and no better time to kick off than talking about the Super Bowl and who should be doing Super Bowl ads. So, you know, you've done more of this than I have in the sense of sort of big brand advertising. I've been in the startup and growth landscape and everything from where I grew up in marketing has been very sort of demand driven, not a lot of awareness, not the big brand advertising. Give me your thoughts. What type of profile of business should be advertising in the Super Bowl? Great question. I still think, and I've, I've been a big proponent of Super
1: Bowl advertising, I still think there's tremendous value. Great brands that have this size and scale and ambition to become culturally relevant in America. Super Bowl is a culturally relevant experience and an event. It's an event that has a bunch of people congregating together. And the greatest form of advertising is word of mouth. When people are talking about you, that is transcending to a brand that's culturally relevant. So Super Bowl definitely gives you that opportunity. I think Super Bowl advertising now more than ever because of social media, early releases, publicity stunts is more valuable than even it was five years ago. I just saw a report, CBS is selling ads. It's, it's around $7 million this year for a 30-second spot.
0: I'm chat GPTing it right now. That's what I just got, 7 million bucks for 30 seconds.
1: Yeah, and they're predicting about 113 million people to be watching the game. I've known brands like my friend, Eric Dickens, who's been on this show, stole a Super Bowl ad one year for Kings Hawaiian at like 2.5 million. I remember GoDaddy when, you know, back in their heyday when they first got their ad, it was like, I think a million bucks. This was probably 10 years ago. So certainly increasing, but a lot of value. And there's still a ton of social currency added to that list. What I've heard now from a lot of media people and people in the game though, is media companies like CBS are also leveraging Hey, not only do you have to pay the $7 million, but we also want an, another commitment of like 3 to $5 million in media buys for other things that we have coming up, whether that's, well, Olympic programming's NBC, not CBS, but other things that they have. They're requesting upwards of a $10 million commitment and, and they're sold out this year. There's no remnant space available, but you're gonna see the, the major players like you know, you're used to Budweiser's, bringing the kaleidoscope back, Carl's Jr., which I'm excited about. I've actually done some consulting work with Carl's Jr. this year. They're going to be in the fold for the first time in a long time. You probably remember their original Super Bowl ad with, you know, the, the Parrot film ad. Yep. Actually, I know what some of the things they're going to do, so I'm excited about that. And I, I think you're going to see some things from them. But yeah, it's going to be the traditional players. I, I know some of the heavy tech players like Uber Eats and they have some interesting ideas coming out of seeing some whispers and some and some things hitting. Some people are still haven't even been in production yet because they want to see. You know, what's culturally relevant at the time. So they wait and see. They don't want to come out with something maybe too risque and, and they miss the mark. But I mean, you're going to see star studded guests of people, you know, Lionel Messi, Jenna Ortega, Chris Pratt, Chris Jenner, all people are going to be in Super Bowl ads this year. So it's going to be interesting. And, and, and we're in Vegas, right? We got an office in Vegas. So, you know, near and dear to my heart, the Las Vegas market, first time they've ever hosted a Super Bowl. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, again, I, To my earlier point, though, I still think if you're a major brand or you're a well-funded brand or you want to make a statement, no better place than Super Bowl.
0: It's funny because I'm sitting here thinking, all right, you got to put $7 bucks in and let's ignore for a second the you have to pay $3 million of other media rights to get access to the $7 million. Just based on the cost for the spot and what you're getting I've never actually done the calculation, but it's about a $60 CPM, which surprises me, right? I would think for the Super Bowl, you're getting 115 is the estimate that I have, million viewers, and you're paying $7 million. It's a 60.87 CPM. It's not an outrageous amount in terms of cost per impression. I would think that the Super Bowl being such a premium piece of inventory would be more expensive. Do you feel like it's value? Is it underpriced, overpriced? What do you think about just what you get for your money? If you're a global brand with a big budget, I think it's a bargain. I mean, dude,
1: there's 20, 30, 40, $50 CPMs on Facebook advertising right now. Are you kidding me? Like, I think there's enormous value. And the CPM is, I think, in the ballpark. I would think it should be higher too. And then When you calculate all the publicity that you're going to get on top of that CPM, I think the CPM's in the tens of dollars by the time you calculate publicity value. So yeah, I still think it's a bargain, especially when you look at it from a CPM standpoint. But everybody doesn't have $10 million laying around. I mean, for most brands, that's more than their entire marketing budget is for three years. And some brands, it's entire year's marketing budget, which you can't spend on one thing. I would maybe argue to depending on who it is, that that could be an interesting route. It's booms and busts though. I mean, some of the big brands come out and they fall flat and all the ad meter rankings and all the stuff that, you know, you get into just so much minutia. and then you could have a really creative spot win all the awards and then you really didn't accomplish your goal of being relevant to the brand. It didn't tie back to the brand. So that's a waste too. So it's high risk, high reward kind of stuff for sure, which which I think from as a marketer, I, I, I'm fascinated by it, obviously.
0: You know, when you think about a $7 million ad buy for a 30 second spot, obviously you're getting a ton of coverage. CPM's not outrageous, but you have to have a lot of M's which raises the pride, right? The millions of impressions, which makes it a very expensive spot. How do you think about the audience that you're targeting? It's a football game. So should we just assume middle American, middle income, predominantly male because it's a football game? And traditionally, that's the audience for football. Obviously, football is becoming more universal. But I think of a football audience, if I were advertising at the Cal ASU game, I'd be looking at college kids and old dudes. I'm not thinking about, you know, it being a very female-centric audience. How do you think about the profile of the Super Bowl audience specifically?
1: Yeah, and 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 certainly it's changing with, and we kind of mentioned this and made fun of it earlier with Taylor Swift and, and bringing in a much younger audience and a more female audience. If you look at what the NFL has done over the past decade, they've really focused on cultivating more of a female audience. It's been a brilliant strategy and it's worked really well long-term. Bringing more women to the game is, has just made it more of a American event, more of a Americana as kind of part of our culture. And if you look at really Super Bowl parties, like it's become very much a holiday. I mean, it's the most skipped, called-in sick day of the year on, on that Monday. I would say regular season, absolutely, is going to skew more male. But Super Bowl, I think, is going to be much more broad, especially if you look at the halftime shows they've done and, and spent money on over the years. So no, I wouldn't consider a Super Bowl audience heavy male like regular NFL or probably college football. I think it skews less male than during the season, of course. I would say sometimes I have a problem with you being relevant during a party, right? You've got a raging party going on and then your commercial comes on. It's all about activating the social concept before and after and getting people to be talking about you if you can do that and it also depends on placement and there's so much analytics now that you would geek out on in terms of visit after first quarter after second quarter third quarter after halftime i'm big in first in break so i think it's always worth it to pay a premium for first in or or even last out of break i like when people have done 15s and fives you've seen some other people with qr codes over the years that went totally like rogue and they they were very differentiated So it just depends on how bold you want to be. But some of the other, um, you know, I mean, Budweiser needs a hit. So they're bringing back Kaleisto. I mean, I've seen T-Mobile over the years have some great ads. Doing it right has just enormous value. I mean, GoDaddy became literally a company because of their Super Bowl ad. They were nothing until they did that ad. We've seen a ton of companies that have been nothing until they're ad. I mean, let's not talk about FTX, but there's others. We're going to talk about that, but it's not going to be today. I've got a, I've got an FTX. Exactly. But, but there's there's something about the psychology of people where if you're in the game, that says something about your brand in terms of there's a cachet to it, right? And look. Human beings can be very superficial and we don't want to admit that we are, but we are. And we judge things based on a lot of things that have a lot of different brand characteristics. And if you're in the conversation of a Super Bowl ad, it adds to your brand. It says something about you. So if I was a CMO and I had even close to the budget to be doing it, I would absolutely be pushing for it, even if my audience wasn't heavy male skewed. If I did have a male skew like cars or beer, I would absolutely be fighting to be in this game. No question about it.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Cars. We've seen a lot of car advertisers. Lots of liquor. I think a Budweiser being one of the dominant players ever in Super Bowl advertising history. We've seen consumer packaged goods. Seems like there's always a Doritos or a Lay's ad, some sort of a chip, some sort of a salty snack. What are some of the other industries that you think have that sort of universal approach we haven't really seen a ton of technology. Any other industries that you're used to seeing that I didn't mention? And, and who do you think should be advertising?
1: I mean, CPG companies obviously are a perfect fit. So I'm looking at some of the lists now. m and of course. The Nerds ad, I highly suggest watching. Pringles. Pringles is the ad with Chris Pratt, who's really hot right now, obviously. Reese's. So beer and CPG and auto, of course tech over the years, especially new tech. So Uber Eats is coming out with a cool campaign. We're going to see Volkswagen come back with something, which I I think will be really cool. Oreo. I I think any category that wants to make a big splash and, and you feel good about your creative chops. The other interesting thing that people don't talk about is the production values have gotten much more obtainable. You can compete for Half a million, a million, a million five with production budget and and compete at the Super Bowl level. I think the production barrier to entry has gone down a little bit based on the cost of Super Bowl ads. So when production was a million and the ads a million or production's half a million and the ads a million now when the ads are seven million and productions potentially like a million, I think that is a lower point of entry, even though the cost has obviously gone up. But I think anybody coming out with a new product or wanting to make a splash or wanting to impress retailers. you know. Let's face it, the retailers want brands that are spending money to put more people through their stores. So there's a lot of ways to leverage more retail. If you're a B2B company, leverage Super Bowl tickets and a whole event around that. People want to be hanging with the cool kids. And it sucks to say that, but it's true. And this is definitely a party that is very exclusive. And if you're a brand that is in the game and in the conversation. It's a big deal. I mean, we had Casey's hubris on, I want to say maybe like four or five months ago from Rocket Mortgage. Well, mortgages aren't really relevant right now because of the interest rates. So Rocket Mortgage isn't doing five Super Bowl ads like they did two years ago. But when there was share to be had in the mortgage business, Rocket Mortgage was all over it. So what's the seasonality of your business? Auto probably less because of the interest rates of auto. So we're probably not seeing as many auto as we've seen before. Tech's gotten really beat up. You know, we mentioned FTX. So probably not seeing a ton of that, but who wants to gain market share? Where can you be culturally relevant in America, which is a tough market to be in? Who really wants to put their money where their mouth is? And who has the marketing chops and the confidence from their board and their CFO and everyone else that they can execute on this? Because if you don't execute, you're fired. I mean, plenty of CMOs get fired by doing a bad ad. I do think that we're going to be seeing no or very little political kind of ads like we used to see five years ago. I think we're going to be seeing more playfulness of all the human interest insight pieces that I've seen or research I've seen. People want to laugh more. People want to take things less seriously. They're just, I mean, there's political craziness. There's war going on. So this is certainly a, a good time to bring some humor element. And it's got to be something super creative and something consumer centric. So, you know, easy for me to talk about it. Like I'm some Super Bowl ad commentator, which for whatever reason I have been the last 10 years, because I've just, it's something I'm passionate about and I geek out on. And I love some of the ad agencies too, like big shout out to High Dive. I mean, they seem to have seven or eight commercials from different brands every year. I've seen some other work from some other various Super Bowl specific creative agencies that almost specialize now in Super Bowl ads. And big shout outs to social media and PR teams. I mean, their job is so hard to be real time, commenting and understanding what's going to be trending and how to get it trending, how to say something fun and spunky, but it's it on brand voice and on tonality, but you're not saying something that's going to get you in trouble. Like The role of a social media manager managing a Super Bowl campaign in real time, that person needs a vacation to Hawaii uh, the week after because the work they're doing is so hard that people don't give them credit. All, all we hear about is you know the intern that said something stupid on social media. You never hear about people that are doing amazing work in that space because it is super hard to direct a party on the internet on X or Twitter or Instagram in the right way. That's a, that's
0: a tough job. Well, I guess my big takeaway here, you know, as we think about who should be advertising in the Super Bowl, you're looking at a broad audience that's in the hundred million range. You're making a big investment, but it's in an awareness driving activity. This is not something where you're doing a ton of demand capture there's social media and there's QR codes and other stuff, but let's call a spade a spade. This is an awareness driving channel. This is 100% for
1: brand awareness and brand awareness does not equal immediate D to C sales. So, and I talked about this the last podcast and I I went off on a little bit of a tangent, but the up and smoke Snoop Dogg campaign was a great brand campaign. It caught a lot of attention and awareness for that brand that over a long period of time can capitalize and sell more product because of that brand awareness, because the recall rate is going to be higher, because they're going to win ties against other smokeless things. They use Snoop Dogg in a great way that said Snoop Dogg quit smoking. And everyone's like, what? Holy shit. And they got all this attention. And then the CFO goes on to Adweek two weeks later and said it didn't drive any sales. Awareness campaigns aren't designed to drive sales right away. They're designed to build brand that builds and drives sales over time. So point of clarification, there are campaigns that can drive sales and awareness, both, but they are very rare and not the norm.
0: I've heard that awareness lowers future CPCs. It's all of your other direct response channels become more efficient when people understand what your brand is about. Like the
1: golf company I'm acting as a CMO for, we just launched an insanely funny video with a pro golfer and his caddy who are on Netflix show and they're wildly popular. It was a huge success in terms of social virality. And it helped us with vendors. It helped us with retailers. We didn't sell hardly anything. Actually, I was surprised how little we sold, but doesn't matter. That's not what it was there for. What I want is when they're searching for our speaker, or our laser on Amazon, and they're looking at us versus the competitor, to have that in the back of their mind. They remember that. And then we had some personality and, and we get some credit. So yeah, it should lower CPC. And it should help you win more ties over a long period of time and more loyalty and people talking about you, all that. Stuff.
0: I guess, you know, just to wrap up my last takeaway before you, you get us out of here, you know, I think broad audience, $100 million, got to know what the investment is. You're building awareness. We don't see a lot of B2B advertising in Super Bowl ads you're really making a big bet on the future health and building your awareness when you're doing a Super Bowl ad, and that's why we see some of those more consistent big-budget advertisers. And, you know, sometimes you get those really, I don't know, risk-centric tech companies, or, you know, we had FTX and all those other companies. But for the most part, there's a reason why you see the biggest companies in the world advertising in the biggest spots because they've got the biggest budgets and they can afford to do it without, you know, risking it all.
1: 100%. There's a brand personality and something that people can expect when they know, hey, I'm probably going to see Doritos, right? I'm probably going to see Coors Light. I'm probably going to see Budweiser. The rabbit brand fans of those products want to see you in that game because, you know, you have football teams you're a fan of. You also have brands you're fans of. And you want to see your brands play at that level because there is a sense of pride. Absolutely. All right, that wraps up the episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Thanks to Benjamin Shapiro, CEO, executive producer. I hear everything for joining us. Thanks for letting me talk Super Bowl because I geek out on it. And what we're going to talk about tomorrow with Ben is what makes a successful Super Bowl We talked about a lot of the media KPIs. We'll just dive a little bit more into the creatives and, and get a little more into the weeds and just have some fun, especially with Super Bowl coming up. Can't wait till the next episode. If you want to learn more about Benjamin? You can find everything on his LinkedIn profile, which we'll put in our show notes. You can contact him also on. Twitter. His handle is Ben J. Shap. His company website at I Just another note. I want to tell you about, as always, everything is at rebrandpod.com episodes, guests, take notes, anything you want rebrandpod.com. If you want to play, be a guest. We'd love to see it, especially if you're a brand marketer, really looking for bigger push for brand marketers on the show. Thanks to everyone who's been on the show. Thanks for just being a loyal group of marketers. And it's been a lot of fun. You can find me on social media. Just ask of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the fun stuff. Hit that subscribe button. If, you, if you're a marketer and want to be part of this community. we'd love to have you. I
0: think we're close to 6,000 strong subscribers. I think we're closer to 10 now. 10,000? 10, nope. I was wrong. 15,900. What? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> okay. So if you haven't subscribed, I, I'm an idiot.
1: This is how bad I am. I've been saying the wrong stat of subscribers for like the last two months because I haven't paid attention to it. We're, we're now at 15,000 subscribers. So if you're a fan of the show, please subscribe. If you are a subscriber, thank you so much for building a really cool marketing little group here. It's it's definitely community. People we have on are connecting on LinkedIn. I've seen other people connect after the show. It's cool to see. But I, I think I've been saying like the last two months, we've been at like 6,000. I thought we grew from like five to 6,000. We grew from five to 15,000 subscribers, which to me is the main KPI that I care about because that tells me we're really building the community. So thank you. And if you're not part of the community, we'd love to have you. That's it for today, but remember essentially to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.